it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, 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 look who came back to work. Yes, he did. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A man who's not headed off to court for child support payments this afternoon. Hunter Biden fighting with the stripper he impregnated over his refusal to provide for his child. Hunter's a dirtbag. Yeah, seriously, we'll get into it, uh, as well as Joe Biden's big speech Saturday night at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes. Uh, I was joined by Martha McCallum. She was there as well. And she will join us in studio today for a grown-up talk about the 2024 election, a report dropping an hour ago that Tim Scott will officially enter the race on May the 22nd with plans to become the next president of the United States. Wrong. I didn't think Trump would like that one. But uh, 888-788-9910 is the phone number, whether you like it or you don't. Okay, the show is an all-skate. I am a conservative, but I am not doing a conservative talk show I am doing an American talk show. That's how it works. You could agree with me, you could disagree. There are no real rules other than... We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. That's it. You don't like an idea. You don't agree with what I'm saying. That's fine. You're still welcome. Okay, you could be a Republican, you could be a Democrat, you could be a Libertarian, you could be anything. All we ask is that you don't be a... That is all. But as we begin on a big Monday, we are back from Washington. We'll get into that in a minute. But I think the big headline out of the gate is that Fox Across America is broadcasting today for the first time on a brand spanking new affiliate. Oh, girl, take off the apron, Jenny Fallon. We are going out tonight courtesy of the fine folks at KXPO 1340 AM in Grafton, North Dakota. Shout out to Bob Simmons and the whole Barnyard Jamboree over at Expo Radio. It is a high honor uh, to join your lineup. And uh, I'm going to try not to get emotional. I just want to give all of our new listeners up there in Grafton some insight into how this show rolls. Really quickly, I'm a former New York City cab driver, probably a future one, uh, the way my TV work went over the weekend. But no, I am a former New York City cab driver, spent a lot of time doing stand-up comedy before Fox ultimately put me on TV. And when they were crazy enough to give me this talk show, I was very mindful of the impact I would make on the people listening to it. So what I would say is I am a conservative, unapologetically so, but I'm not an activist. I am very much an inactivist. I want to have good conversations, and I want to give you a way to consume the news every day that doesn't make you, you know, Lose your mind. You know, the news gets everybody so worked up now. These days. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You know, you feel, you feel that way, okay? But in this instance, what we do uh, is we're very mindful of the fact that the world is on fire, 
but we're just over here roasting radio marshmallows. Yes, we take the issues of the day seriously, but we do not take ourselves seriously at all. I say it's a safe space where you can just go blow off some steam, digest some news, and maybe have a good time doing it instead of walking around like you're on the verge of snapping. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? So there you have it. Uh, We spent the weekend. We were down in D.C. in the swamp. Uh, We did not drain the swamp, uh, but I can promise you we did successfully drain every bar in the swamp. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. No, the Fox team, we put up a lot of numbers. We had a wild time. And uh, I can tell you, it's always cool to go on the road with Fox, especially when you go to something big like the Correspondence Dinner, because 99% of the people in the room are liberal. You know, so we're very much the visiting team when we show up. Okay, but while 99% of the room is liberal and there's a lot of smack talk and there was certainly plenty of smack talked about Fox from the stage, we still got out of bed in the morning as the number one ranked network in America. (laughs) So you can take all the shots you want. Uh, (laughs) verbally, uh, we'll just continue to take those shots at the bar, I think is what I would say. But it was cool to be down there. Uh, Shout out to everybody on the Fox team. Martha McCallum was there. Shannon Bream was there. It was great. Janice Dean, Emily Campagno, Katie Pavlich was in the house. And we just had the best time. Benjamin Hall, just an absolute legend. Border Bill Malusian with his fabulous hair. You know, Border Bill who covers the, the border. Peter Ducey, Steve Ducey. I mean, there were just so many incredible people. And we really did have the best time. And we met, We spent Friday night making the rounds. Uh, we went to a couple of, like, media parties and agency parties. We hung out with all the media people. The media is a bunch of losers. Maybe so. But I enjoy mixing it up with them because, like I said, our brand here at Fox is that we're cool. We don't feel threatened by anyone else's ideas because we're very confident in our own. So I go to these parties, you know, just to be cool. But if anybody wants to mix it up, fine. One thing I would tell you really quickly is Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, was at every party in D.C. on Friday night. Oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, so I'm at my party. And I talked to two people who said he was at two other parties making the rounds. So there is a guy who very much still has eyes on the Oval Office and representing the Democrats in 2024. Come on, man. We'll get to that part in a minute. I also did meet, really quickly, uh, Kamala Harris's husband. We <laughs> Friday night, uh, we were at a party, uh, and I ran into Doug Emhoff, the man who is married to Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha-ha! <laughs> Maybe so. Okay, but uh, he was a nice guy. He's, uh, he's a sweet. I met him in... Amy Klobuchar was there, and, you know, we had a laugh. We had a couple of quick laughs. I mixed it up with them. And then, of course, Saturday night, uh, the, the, just the poor waiter, like Corrine Jean-Pierre. A waiter came over to her table, asked what she wanted for dinner, and then she spent 10 minutes going through her binder tr- trying to come up with an answer for the guy. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't good. This could be a problem. <laughs> but it was a silly night all around. Biden took some shots at Fox. Roy Wood is a comedian I know well, took some shots along the way. And the audience certainly lapped it up because, again, they are so overwhelmingly liberal. But on a personal note, one of the anecdotes I wanted to share that was so funny is Saturday night during this White House Correspondents Dinner, I was running back and forth to do TV hits with Lawrence Jones. Uh, If you missed it, we posted some of them on the Fox Across America Facebook page. 
Uh, they're also uh, available on the Fox Across America website. You can go see me live on the red carpet. And I was wearing just a phenomenal pink tuxedo. <laughs> Whatever. The crew might not have liked it, but the people in D.C. did like it. We actually talked about it on the air. I was wearing a pink tuxedo jacket with my black pants, but it looked cooler than it sounds on the radio, I promise. And if you don't follow me on Facebook, go check it out. You'll see plenty of pictures for yourself. But stick with me. I was running back and forth to do TV Saturday night. In between all of these speeches and awards, I would go out to the red carpet and I would get on the air with Lawrence Jones, who was anchoring live coverage from here in New York while I was down in D.C., and just give an update on what's going on at the dinner, who I've seen, who I've met, what's happening so far, and all of that jazz. Well, I had a really funny encounter with Biden's Secret Service. Okay, they had encircled the room, and they were leaning against one of the walls where I would wait to go on TV. So I was basically sitting in the back of the room. It's a huge ballroom. There's 10,000 people in it. And I was sitting near the exit that Biden would ultimately come out of at the end of the night. And I would use that exit to run over to the red carpet and do TV hits. So I was constantly coming back and forth, and the Secret Service was aware that I was a TV person. So they were letting me go and, you know, saying hello and making small talk. Well, in a really funny moment, <laughs> two funny, genuine moments of candor. Somebody had told the joke about Fox News, and the Secret Service turned to me and they go, Oh, I bet you didn't like that one. I go, Are you kidding me? I go, I love that one. Because guess what? The more smack they talk, while the Democrats are in power, okay, the more smack I'll be able to talk when I host this show someday if, in fact, the Republicans take back the White House. <laughs> yeah, really. Put it on your calendar. Like, you heard it here first. The Republicans won the presidency at some point, 2024, 2028, uh, and they let a conservative comedian host it. I don't doubt that I'm on the shortest of the shortest list to do it. And we will burn it down. I'm not saying we'll start a fight. I'm not saying that we'll get anybody in trouble or anything like that. But we'll go there and have a good-natured, phenomenal time. And, uh, you know, do whatever amount of work needs to be done to have the best correspondence dinner in the history of correspondence dinner. Do I think uh, we'll get invited back after that's actually over? The answer would be no. But I will damn sure get my money's worth if they have me host it one year. But that moment with the Secret Service was just a genuine moment of candor because they were like, hey, we know you, Fox News guy. He's joking about your people. And I was like, haha, really funny. But an even funnier moment uh, that was just so genuinely funny as at one point Biden was talking about all of the hostages he's freed. And he said, and it's just so funny, he had mentioned that he had freed hostages. One of the countries he freed them from was from someplace called Aranda. Biden's lost his marbles. And even his Secret Service knows that because after he, he said the clip, I'm about to play you a clip. After he says this clip, the Secret Service agents looked at each other and go, what the f- is Aranda? <laughs> they actually said that. Hear this clip. Uh, This was a genuine moment. I was sitting on the back wall of the room at the correspondence dinner. The president of the United States was speaking, and the two guys in charge of protecting him reacted to this clip, clip three. We've been able to bring home dozens of hostages and wrongfully detainees detainees from Afghanistan, Burma, Haiti, Iran, Rwanda, Venezuela, across West Africa, around the world. Dozens of hostages, uh, wrongful detainees from Afghanistan, Burma, Haiti, Iran, Aranda. 
we have a president that is clearly not all there. <laughs> and then the one I said to the one Secret Service agent, he goes, what the F is Rhonda? I go, I think he might have said Rhonda. I said, somebody's been listening to the Beach Boys in his basement again. Like he was thinking of help me, Rhonda. I'm not really sure, but it was funny. And it was his own Secret Service that ter- genuinely like just said to each other. I was just sitting there with an earshot. He goes, what the f- is a Rhonda? <laughs> he also tried to take a shot at the owner of Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, and referred to the guy as Rupert Lemon. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Does he ever? But if there was an overarching takeaway from going down to the swamp, and I always tell you, you know, my true political superpower is as a talk show host anyway, is that I don't have one. You know, I'm a regular person. I spent a lot of time driving a taxi in New York City. I was broke most of my adult life. So when you see me on TV, tonight I'll be on the Sean Hannity show. Uh, this morning I was on America's Newsroom with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. Uh, that's on the Fox Sports America Facebook page as well, if you're one of our new listeners out in Grafton, North Dakota. But the point is, if you see me on TV, you hear me on the radio, what I'm always doing is looking at these developments through the lens of a regular person. Okay, most of my life was spent as an adult behind the wheel of a yellow taxi in New York City. You see a lot of things, time travelers and pantless hobbits and, you know, (laughs) all kinds of women of the night. Hubba, hubba. But the point is, it gets really wild out there in a taxi, but the one thing it never gets is rich. Never had money. I've always been a regular guy. So when we're talking about inflation, I see it through the lens of a regular guy. When we're talking about lawless streets, because they've emptied half the prisons in this country because of woke bail reforms. Everything woke turns to Totally. Okay. But when we're talking about those rising crime rates, I see it through the lens of a regular guy. I don't have a Secret Service detail myself. You know, when we're talking about the porous border, when we're talking about the fact that our schools are failing. Okay. One in three kids in this country cannot read at a grade level. I love the poorly educated. The point is, things aren't going well right now as a country. 70% of Americans do not want Joe Biden to run again. 70%. But as we sat there in that room Saturday night, I don't deny them a night of revelry, okay? But they were very much in a self-congratulatory mood where they thought things were going really well in the country and everyone thought the same thing. That is a fact check false. Yeah, I mean, not even close, but that's what they were doing. They were like, oh, this is amazing. Biden's great. He's creating all these jobs. Not even close. But that's the danger of groupthink. So when I do a show, the reason I want it to be open to ideas I don't agree with that don't necessarily align with mine is because if you only surround yourself with people who see it your way, You do ultimately lose self-awareness. You do ultimately lose the perspective that others in the country have. So as I sat there at the White House Correspondents' Dinner watching Biden's own Secret Service laugh at him for not being able to name Rhonda uh, for inventing a country, uh, and I saw the media patting each other on the back and things are going so good. We got the Republicans right where we want them. Yeah, good luck with that one. Okay, the one thing it took me back to was the mission statement on this show. You need to be talking to people from every side of the aisle, because if you're not, then you become what I saw in that room Saturday night, which was a bunch of well-dressed nerds who think things are going a lot better under Biden 
than they really are. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here and you got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. Martha McCallum is coming up. We're also going to be joined by Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson. Here's a clip of Biden uh, taking a shot at uh, a prominent Republican Congresswoman uh, at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, clip six. Folks, it's wonderful to be back here again, proving I haven't learned a damn thing. (laughs) I want everyone to have fun tonight. But please be safe. If you find yourself disoriented or confused, it's either you're drunk or Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, and the D.C. crowd love that because they hate Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, listen, on the whole, I love the idea. I love the idea of a political roast. And I pray to God I get to host one of these one day. But look out, world. Look, seriously, I'd have a great time. It would be phenomenal. I'd have so much fun. I wouldn't, like, again, be doing it to hurt people or ruin anybody or anything like that, but I I would show up with every intention of just burning it to the ground. You know, we take a lot of shots on the right as conservatives, uh, but we need, you know, an opportunity to give them back because during the Trump years, Trump didn't attend the dinner. So one of the dinners was actually hosted by Michelle Wolf, who was just terrible and just spent the whole time trashing Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the media loved it because everybody in the room was liberal, but they thought it was like, you know, this is a good look. This is a great night for the Democratic Party. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Not at all. So it would be fun to get into that room and read all of those journalists their truth because no one's done it for them in a while and they need it. Like it would, it would, it would actually benefit them at this point if someone could be honest with the media a little bit more. That's true. That is true. So if it comes to that, it would be great. But for that reason, I didn't mind. Biden wanted to take shots at Fox. He wanted to take, take shots at conservatives. No, you don't walk out. They're jokes. You take the jokes. You know, forgive, don't forget. You'll get your chance down the road. And now what? You know, that's the point. So we had a lot of laughs. We're not going to dwell on the dinner too much. We're going to get into some hardcore reporting about the 2024 election because Hunter Biden uh, is in court right now over child support payments he's not making to the stripper he fathered a child with. But he could be in court for bigger reasons. We're going to get into all of that and a lot more when we come back on Fox Across America. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Just to get you up to speed on a few things. Hunter Biden impregnated a stripper. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But Hunter Biden is not only not providing adequate child support to the stripper, but he is fighting like hell to deny the kid the Biden name. 
That's just how white folks will do you. That's what he's doing. So Hunter Biden is down in court today, appearing uh, in a hearing in which he and his lawyers, you know, Joe Biden likes to get on TV and say, there's no such thing as someone else's child. We're all in this together. You know, unless your son impregnates a stripper, in which case he's not paying anything. Yo, really quick. It's not a political statement. It's just a lifestyle statement. Our society is really, really suffering from a lack of strong parental presence in the home. Okay? You're a guy. You knock up a girl. Okay? This is your responsibility to provide for that kid. Don't be a dirtbag. Don't be a Hunter Biden. I'm not saying you're going to marry these women. You're going to stay with. I understand Okay, but these kids need your support. They need parental leadership. And it almost sounds crazy because you might argue that in the long run, a kid would be better off without Hunter Biden's parental leadership, knowing the dude, you know, smoking Parmesan cheese off of his carpet, thinking it was crack. You know, you've heard those stories. But the point is, he's in court today fighting to deny a stripper child support for his own baby. And I don't want to do the whole if this was Trump thing, but if this was any Republican, any Republican on earth, the media would be all over this story. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. That being said, it's Hunter owing child support to a stripper. Is the media saying a word today? The answer would be no. Nowhere. The only place you'll see it covered is on Fox News. That's why the work we do here really matters. People are mad at Fox right now. I've gotten a lot of tweets about, oh, Tucker's not there anymore. Listen, that wasn't Mike. I'm not in charge of that. But the point is, the idea that we're all going to get mad at the one outlet that's literally providing a check on conservative media seems like a really stupid idea, knowing high, how high the stakes are. He knows what he's talking about. And what I'm talking about in this instance is the 2024 election. So Biden relaunched, okay, last week. And I very much felt like, you know, we've all heard of a couple getting married that shouldn't be getting married. You've all been in the church for one of these weddings. We're like, all right, it's an open bar. We're going to throw a couple of bucks in the card and go enjoy the party. But let's be honest, I don't know that this is a good idea. You know, I can't believe he proposed to her. And I can't believe she said yes. You know, one of those weddings where you just you're all looking around at them like, what the hell were you thinking? But anyway, you suck it up. You go. You have a good time. That is very much Biden's reelection campaign. Seventy percent of the country doesn't want it to happen again. But he launched anyway. That's stupid. Use your common sense. One thing I will tell you is Gavin Newsom was all over that party circuit down in D.C. this weekend, which means he still has designs on running. You know, should Biden falter more? Should he ultimately call off the campaign? Newsom is running his own shadow campaign because he very much wants to be the nominee. Because the problem Biden has is he can't run against anybody but Trump. The reason I specifically say Trump is because the age gap between them is a little more narrow. It's hard for the Republicans. As, as Again, if you were to physically contrast Trump and Biden, Trump looks like he knows what country he's in. Biden at times does not. Trump is walking in like an able-bodied person. 
Biden has a strange shuffle. Sometimes he gets lost wandering off the stage. We've also seen him shake hands with invisible people. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. That being said, the media is not going to focus on the physical difference between Trump and Biden. The media is just going to say, oh, the Republicans want you to believe Trump is so old, Biden's so old. Well, Trump's just about the same age. That's what they're going to do. And the fact that Trump has high negatives, 65 percent of the country has a negative view of Donald Trump. Makes it a lot easier to sell Joe Biden. If you got well, you can vote for me. 70 percent of the country doesn't want Joe Biden to run again or you can vote for Trump. Sixty five percent of the country doesn't want him to run again. The point is Trump needs, uh, you know, Biden needs anyway. The built in baggage Trump brings to the table. Here is Chuck Todd, of all people, saying over the weekend that Biden needs Trump if he has any chance of winning this thing. Clip 15. When we saw the announcement video from Joe Biden, it was not about what he did. It felt like it is about who he's running against again. And it felt very much almost like a, and they even referenced the first video. He really needs Donald Trump to be the nominee. And Donald Trump responded in this Thursday by sort of focusing on him. Are they in a codependent relationship? There is definitely benefits to having both of those men run against each other in both of their minds. Oh, and listen, it's 100 percent true. Like I spent the weekend in D.C. Every Democrat on earth wants Trump to run again. They want him to run so bad. I mean, he's running. I just mean they want him to be the nominee in the general election because the Democrats think they think they can beat Trump easier than anybody else in the race. Wrong. Now, listen. Again, they've underestimated Trump in the past, and Trump is absolutely a fighter. He is the Andrew Galata of presidents. There was an old boxer named Andrew Galata, a Polish fighter. He'd headbutt you, he'd bite you, he'd hit you in the nuts, whatever he had to do. You get in the ring with Trump, when the whistle blows, anything goes, okay? That is not a guy who's going to play nice in the sandbox. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Totally. And you know what? Given the onslaught of negative media coverage given to Republicans, the fact that you have a counterpuncher like Trump, in some in some cases an offensive puncher like Trump, might ultimately be a big good thing for the Republicans. But as it pertains to running against Biden, the high negatives both guys bring into the race, the high age both guys bring into the race, is why the Democrats really desperately want Trump to run. Okay, here's a little more, though, just to give you some insight into where the Democrats find themselves. Martha Raddatz on the week, first of all, she asked students uh, their reactions to Biden running again in 2024. And uh, wow, doesn't really read well uh, for your buddy Joe Biden. Here it is, clip nine. You voted for Biden. I did. He announced this week. What was your reaction? Regret, disappointment, frustration. While it's very early in the race, that disappointment and frustration was expressed again and again by young voters we talked to. I think I would go for Biden, but obviously I would prefer a fresher candidate. He announced this week. Were you excited by that? Uh, not particularly. I'm more interested in a progressive candidate. What do you like about Joe Biden? <laughs> um... Uh... That he's not Trump. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I'm laughing not at her joke. I'm laughing at Martha Raddatz, who was like, we'll hit the streets. We'll ask some college kids about Joe Biden. They'll be so excited. We'll have a great package for the show. One voter said regret, disappointment, frustration. The other said, eh, you know, I'd go for Biden, but I prefer a fresher candidate. <laughs> the last woman. What do you like about Joe Biden? Folks, that was a 30-second pause. What do you like about Joe Biden? Oh, can I phone a friend? Come on, man. <laughs> but the problem is... Again, this is why they want Trump to run. They can run against Trump. They don't have to run for Biden. They can just run against Trump. Don't forget, the last campaign in 2020, nobody voted for Biden. They voted against Trump. Biden stayed home. The media campaigned against Trump for him. Okay, Biden's entire candidacy was based on a lie. He famously launched the video saying it was a battle for the soul of our nation because Trump never condemned neo-Nazis and white nationalists in Charlottesville. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. Whoa, check it out. What? The whole thing was a lie, and the media ran with it anyway. And they allowed Biden in 2020 to stay home. The media was the candidate. They ran against Trump day in and day out every hour of the day. And Biden's trying to deploy the same strategy this time around. Okay, as you heard Chuck Todd say, Biden's launch video was not about Biden. It was about who he was running against. Okay, here is Jonathan Martin, also on the week, acknowledging what everybody knows to be the case. Biden is using the same midterm strategy. He wants to shift all the focus onto Trump. Clip 13. Precisely because of what happened in the midterms, the Biden folks had the same strategy for his reelect, which is make the focus on them, not us. It's hard to recall in modern political history a sitting president who was so eager to turn the attention away from him and his office toward the opposition. But that is the story repeatedly for this president uh, and his administration. And I get the politics, okay? Because for them, it makes more sense to point to Donald Trump than it is to talk about them because his numbers are terrible, in fact. So I get the politics of it. But it's remarkable that he puts out a video, gives a speech that nobody really pays uh, Mm -hmm. attention to later (laughs) that day. And that's the entirety of his reelection for a city president biden sucks that's essentially what he's saying okay joe biden's wholesale is i'm not trump that's it you gotta do better than that but why is he running against trump because he can't run on his record that's the democrat problem that's why they want trump if trump's the nominee they can run on january 6th you know the the mean tweets the nasty stuff again you might think trump's tweets are ridiculous You might know that January 6th, as bad as it looked in real time, was not what the media tried to sell it as. It was not a deadly white supremacist attempt to overthrow the government. Okay, that's not true. That being said, it's a phenomenal marketing tool for the Democrats because they can say the last time Trump ran an election and didn't get the outcome he wanted, this happened at the Capitol. And believe me, that's going to carry a lot of weight with a lot of people. The Democrats want Trump to be the nominee because they don't have to talk about substance. They don't have to talk about the border. They don't have to talk about inflation. 
They don't have to talk about the 30-year spike in our national murder rate, the fact that gas is going back up, the fact that you got to turn tricks behind the grocery store to afford a carton of eggs. Biden is such a disaster. Which is why they want Trump to be the nominee. If it's somebody like Newsom, if it's somebody like Tim Scott, if it's somebody like, excuse me, if it's somebody like, you know, DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, okay, then they've got to talk substance. But if it's Trump, they're in the money. Now, consequentially, on the other side of the Democratic Party, I know, you know, Robert Kennedy is running and the media is giving him some press and he is at about 19 percent in the polls right now. That being said, the Democratic establishment would never let him into the race as a mainstream candidate if Biden were to get out. They would, however, throw their weight behind Gavin Newsom because he's a big state governor. The only problem is he's turned his big state into a giant outdoor toilet. So as you sit here staring down the 2024 race, something we're going to do with Martha McCallum in the next hour, you realize that there's two versions of this race that are about to be run. There's either a version where we're taking a good, hard look at the state of our country and deciding who has the better ideas to get us out of this mess, or there's a version where we're just doing the 2020 election all over again, except both of the candidates are four years older. As hard as that even sounds, like Joe, Joe Biden looks and talks like he's in his late hundreds most days. But yes, he's about to be, you know, 82 should he win this election and give it another go. You know, and Trump would be pushing 80, which, again, puts both of them well beyond the age of Ronald Reagan when he left office as the oldest president ever to hold the gig. It's not necessarily that fresh reset the country needs. And that's why when you talk about 2024, the God's honest truth is the only guy Biden can beat is Trump. The only guy Trump can beat is Biden. So they need each other more than they realize. They might not like each other. Okay, they might be diametrically opposed from a political standpoint. But if you've got a 70 percent negative approval rating uh, like Joe Biden or 65 like Trump. okay, there's no world where either one of them can beat anybody but each other. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right. You're right. You're right. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That's my name. Don't wear it out. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing in New York all week long. But this Saturday, first night of the Last in Liberty tour, myself and Kennedy will be in Reading, Pennsylvania at the Santander Performing Arts Center. Hey, girl. Tickets still available if you want to hang out with your radio buddy. After that, we head down to Clearwater, Florida for May the 20th. Uh, And then we will be in Davenport, Iowa, June the 3rd. Mesa, Arizona, June the 10th. Lexington, Kentucky at the Lexington Opera House, June the 24th. Holland, Michigan, July the 8th. And then I will be in St. Mary's, Ohio, July the 29th. And then August the 25th at the Green Valley Ranch in Henderson, Nevada. A lot of chances to get together with your radio buddy. Uh, In the next hour, we're going to get together with Martha McCallum. She's the host of The Story right here on the Fox News Channel. And she's going to join me to discuss the 2024 race, because it sounds now like Tim Scott plans to announce on Monday, May the 22nd, 
And we're going to get into the Scott campaign. We're also going to get into the shadow campaign of Gavin Newsom, which, as I was saying earlier, dude, this guy was everywhere in D.C. this weekend. This is a man who wants to run for president. That is correct. The thing about Biden is, yes, he announced he's running again. But did he actually schedule any campaign events? The answer would be no. He's not out there. He's not doing live press conferences. The only live press conference he did do was what? The one last week where he got caught with a note card. That was embarrassing. It's the president of the United States. Yeah, I got a list here of people to call on. Got a picture of the girl, a pronunciation of her last name, and the question she's going to ask. And when that picture was outed, the response from the White House was to claim it was purely a coincidence that Joe Biden had a question in his hand and the reporter just happened to ask the exact same one. Come on, don't bullshit me. Dude, it's embarrassing. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. It's not my job. I'm not here to convert people. But if you care about the country, we've got to be honest with each other. You can't have a president out there who needs a note card to answer the questions. Okay, that's not a press conference. That's a play. That's political theater. I get that Biden went to high school with Shakespeare, but it doesn't mean his campaign, his candidacy, his presidency should be a play. But that's exactly what it is in this moment. When you're getting the questions ahead of time so you can get through your answers and not have to think freely on your feet, okay, you're engaged in theater. And the media might say it's fine, but our enemies around the world look at it and they go, oh, I get it, okay? Joe Biden, the president of the United States. The man is insane. He's not responsible for himself. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. And we are back in action for a big hour on Fox Across America. Martha McCallum, the bell of the cable news ball, host of the story right here on the Fox News channel, joins us in studio for a discussion about the 2024 election. Tim Scott announcing that on May the 22nd, he will launch a bid for the Oval Office. Pretty much everybody wants to get in at this point. Why? We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. So this Republican primary is going to be like an old school WWE steel cage match. Because whoever wins this thing is going up against the Democratic Party that has absolutely nothing right now. Tell it like it is. 888-788-9910 if you'd like to tell it like it is. Two quick programming notes off the top of the hour. We are, of course, making broadcast history today on KXBO 1340 AM in Grafton, North Dakota. It is our maiden voyage, and we have confirmed that we're still on the air. They got through the first hour of the show and stuck around. So a lot of people lost money in Vegas. Nobody saw them making it this far. But we also have a programming note because we have changed our time slot down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you listen to us on KRMG, uh, Fox Across America has now moved up three hours on your dial, which is a big deal. Shout out to my guy Levi May and the whole Barnyard Jamboree. And an additional shout out to my man, to Skylar Cooper, who is now airing 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. On KRMG Afternoons with Skylar Cooper, worth noting, Skylar Cooper was the Oklahoma Association of Broadcasters personality 
of the year last year. How about that, girlfriend? <laughs> Listen, I love the staff at KRMG, uh, but based on my last visit to that market, uh, I still have an order of protection in effect because the people of Oklahoma like to buy a lot of beer for their guests. <laughs> like, Jimmy, good to see you. What if you drank 31 gallons of beer? <laughs> you know, this is the thing. Everybody says they want to buy you a beer, but I think we have different interpretations of what a beer constitutes. Like, to me, a beer is like, here's a glass of beer. But in Oklahoma, someone says they want to buy you a beer. You say yes, and... Next thing you know, they're holding your ankles and you're upside down <laughs> in a vat of beer, which is where we found ourselves when we were down there in Tulsa. So shout out to the KRMG crew for moving us up in the lineup and a shout out, of course, to the great Skylar Cooper. But right now we talk about Tim Scott. Tim Scott announcing earlier today that he had launched his presidential exploratory committee. Uh, and according to that same committee, He is teasing a major 2024 announcement. It will take place three weeks from today in North Charleston, South Carolina, where Tim Scott, of course, has become the first black American to serve in both houses of Congress. He started in the House of Representatives. He has made his way over to the Senate. Tim Scott's story is one of the best things about this country. We have him on the show quite a bit. He's scheduled to be on our show again this Wednesday. We're working out the particulars. If there's some kind of vote in the Senate, it goes sideways. Could be Thursday. But as of now, the word on the street is Tim Scott will be bringing his talents back to Fox Across America later this week. And I always love talking to Tim Scott uh, for a multitude of reasons. One, he's a big sports fan. He grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan. We don't really hold it against him. Uh, But two, he's a dude that has a lot of perspective when it comes to our politics in this moment. The Democrats like to yell and scream that we're bigoted, you know, that we're a racist country, you know. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. And it's a point Tim Scott makes really well, is that he is a black person, is a symbol of just how much progress we've made in this country. And the fraud of the modern Democratic Party is they're using symbols of success as symbols of oppression. They tell you all the time, Barack Obama is the first black president. Okay, he got elected twice with overwhelming support from white voters. Okay, and the Democrats want you to believe that six years removed from that presidency, we're sitting here in a white supremacist nation as if we were all taking some kind of a drug and we forgot to renew our prescription And now we've had a relapse and we're suddenly racist again. Would you stop it? It's such a cheap argument. But why do the Democrats do it? Because calling people racist takes away the burden of having to deliver for black voters. So that's what the Democrats do. They yell and scream that everything's racist. Climate change is racist. Okay, jailing criminals is racist. You know, everything. Voter ID is racist. You can't expect black Americans to get a voter ID, to get a license. You talk about the soft bigotry of low expectations. Is there anything more infantilizing than a political party telling you that your entire race is not capable of getting a driver's license? Hello? It's like the Democrats want you to believe black people don't own cars, 
don't fly on planes, don't buy beer, can't pick up tickets at a baseball game, don't have bank accounts. Yo, it's 2023, not 1823. That's why Tim Scott is such a threat to the left. That's why when Tim Scott gave the rebuttal to the State of the Union address, they started calling him a racist. They started calling him Uncle Tim, saying he was a traitor to his race. That's what they did. Okay, why did they do it? Democrats are so full of crap. But more importantly, because it gets them away from a conversation about his actual ideas. Okay, the Democrats have failed the black community for decades. Okay, in exchange for failing the black community, though, the fact that they've gotten out there and called everyone racist known to man has left the Democrats feeling entitled to the black community's support regardless of circumstance. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. That was Joe Biden's claim. After the, after the country looked like it was at a full-on societal collapse in the summer of 2020, people were rioting in places like Minneapolis and Milwaukee and Philadelphia and Baltimore and New York. What did all of those places have in common? They were run by Democrats. Bingo. Okay, but I point out that they were run by Democrats. Why? Because the Democratic leaders were justifying the carnage. They were justifying the chaos. Police stations got burnt down. Think about this. A hundred black-owned businesses were burnt down in the near north of Minneapolis. And Kamala Harris posted a link to bail those rioters out. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Think about that. But posted a link. Yeah, hey, we got to bail out the people burning down all the black-owned businesses in Minneapolis. You know, because of, like, equity or something. Folks, this is clown stuff. <laughs> okay, but understand, they justified the carnage by saying what? Well, to quote the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King, a riot is the language of the unheard. Fabulous. And he's right. And God rest the soul of the late, great Martin Luther King. But if you're going to tell me a riot is the language of the unheard, we should all point out that every one of these cities where people haven't felt heard for 60 years was run by Democrats, meaning a riot is the language of the unheard and people are rioting because Democrats aren't hearing them. Oh, wow. That's the biggest scam of our time. That's why they feel so threatened by a guy like Tim Scott. Because he represents a black voice for conservative values. Here is Tim Scott having a substantive discussion about his exploratory committee, clip 12. Well, Trey, one of the things I found on my Faith in America tour is that Americans are hungry for something positive, but also anchored in conservatism. I believe that America can do for anyone what she has done for me. It is time for us to restore hope, create opportunities, and protect America. We are a culture of greatness, not grievance. We are the land of opportunity, not a land of oppression. We celebrate our founding fathers. We don't cancel them. So on May 22nd, just a few weeks away, I want you to come on down to North Charleston, South Carolina, and participate as we make a major announcement about what's next. 
Wow. Tim Scott making a major announcement, which means he's going to run for president. Correct, Mundo. And this is a big problem for the Democrats. One of the reasons they want Trump to be the nominee so bad. It's one of the reasons they wouldn't mind DeSantis. They want anybody but Tim Scott because Tim Scott takes the race angle away. Like, they'll still try to play it. Do you understand? Whoever runs. Okay, they've called Tim Scott a, a racist before. When Larry Elder ran against Gavin Newsom in California, they claimed he was the black face of white supremacy. They're crazy. No, they're not crazy. They're just full of That's all it is. Okay, they said Nikki Haley was using her brown skin to launder white supremacy. That was embarrassing. But they said it anyway. Not because they meant it, but again, because they're full of That's who they are. So Tim Scott's a really big problem for the Democrats. He's a huge asset for the Republicans. Right now, if you look at the polling, the polling would tell you he has no chance. Okay, but understand, if you look at primary polling, go back to 2016. At this point in 2016, before the debates and primaries had started, Donald Trump didn't have 3% support. Okay, if you go back further, okay, we would have had a President Rudy Giuliani in 2008. We also, if you look at the primary polling from this stage of 2008, we would have had a president that was not Barack Obama. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. The people's pantsuit was like polling at like 90 percent odds of winning the Democratic nominee this far into the 2008 primary. So a lot can change. And you can tell me Tim Scott doesn't have a chance right now and Trump and everything else. The trouble we're going to get into is if Donald Trump is the nominee, okay, his ideas are exponentially better than anyone's in the Democratic Party. As a president, he was consequentially better for everyone listening to the show right now than Joe Biden is. There's no argument. Okay, inflation's at a 40-year high. Did we have that under Trump? The answer would be no. We just broke an illegal border crossing record. Okay, were border crossings going up under Trump? The answer would be no. No, they were lower by 80%. Okay, understand what's going on. Gas is $2 higher under Biden than it is under Trump. We just got embarrassed on the world stage after the way we were treated from Afghanistan. We've emboldened our enemies. Putin's in Ukraine. China's encircling Taiwan. Okay, were our enemies this ballsy on the world stage under Trump? The answer would be no. So you understand, consequentially, he's better. But he gives the Democrats a good lane of attack because they've succeeded in branding Trump as a hothead racist who's only in it for himself. Now, you might not feel that way. You might know better. But you don't decide the election. It's the independents and moderate liberals he needs to peel support from. It's going to be very hard for Trump to do that because the Democrats already have his negatives baked into the cake. The reason a guy like Tim Scott is so valuable is he forces this country into an honest discussion about where we are in 23. We are living in a world where anybody can be anything. Tim Scott is more proof of that. Barack Obama's presidency was more proof of that. Okay, if you were born in 1959 into a mixed race marriage at the absolute bottom of the socioeconomic scale, as Barack Obama was, the odds of you being president someday were one in a quazillion. Okay, they didn't even exist. 
the idea that he ultimately became the president is sign is a true sign of just how tolerant we've become and just how much progress we have made on race. But the Democrats can't acknowledge that progress. That's the reason they're so bothered by Tim Scott getting out there and saying, hey, I was born to a single black mom. We had no money. She worked five jobs. I am a baby. The Democrats would rather you abort, given the financial situation I was born into. But I'm now standing here before you as a candidate for the president of the United States. The Democrats don't want that conversation because it denies them an opportunity to just brand all Republicans as racist. But should that situation present itself, they're going to call them racist anyway. Are you tired of losing political debates because your party doesn't have any good ideas? I had the same problem until I got racism, the Democrat prescription that reduces every single issue to race problems. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. Using racism can make you feel like a good person, even if you're patently terrible. I have some skeletons in my closet that I need to cover up so that I can get elected. And with no basis in fact, personal attacks have never been easier. Whether you're slandering an ex-president. I don't think they like me very much. Or even... Even a dead children's author. Mom, they canceled Dr. Seuss. So don't waste your time finding solutions to real problems. Create pretend problems. It's not enough to say I'm not a racist in America. I need to be anti-racist. Warning, a percentage of Democrats who used racism experienced limited grasp of facts and were prone to blurting out racist things themselves. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Ask your government-provided doctor about racism today. If you have a problem problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Martha McCallum coming up in the next break. Right now we're having a grown-up talk about 2024. Chris Coons from Delaware told Martha Raddatz over the weekend, Joe Biden is agile, capable, brings wisdom to the job. He's ready to go in 2024. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. This is a good exchange. It's clip 10. He was fast on his feet. He was agile. He had great delivery. You saw the State of the Union address nearly an hour and a half. He was faster on his feet than most members of Congress. I think Joe Biden is agile, is capable. His record of leadership, both at home and abroad, makes him eminently qualified. And we should be focusing some on the wisdom and experience he brings to the job. I mean, that is so embarrassing. Seventy <laughs> percent of the people don't want him to run again. Can you imagine? Again, look at it like a restaurant. The customers are like, this food sucks. And the Democrats are like, we've got it. We'll give him bigger portions. Here is Martha Raddatz, I played this clip earlier, asking college students who voted for Biden to their reaction to Biden running again. Clip nine. You voted for Biden. I did. He announced this week. What was your reaction? Regret, disappointment, frustration. While it's very early in the race, that disappointment and frustration was expressed again and again by young voters we talked to. I think I would go for Biden, but obviously I would prefer a fresher candidate. He announced this week. Were you excited by that? Uh, not particularly. I'm more interested in a progressive candidate. What do you like about Joe Biden? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, oh. Uh, that he's not Trump. <laughs> I mean. Uh oh, I'm in trouble. Dude, did you catch that? What do you like about him? She needed to phone a friend. She couldn't come up with an answer. And you know what she didn't even think about mentioning once? The vice president on the ticket, Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha-ha! <laughs> I'm telling you, nobody asked for this. It's the one sequel on Earth nobody wants to make, but they're doing it anyway. It's America's Life Coach. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. And if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are. Uh, joining us now in studio, you talk about a good get by our producer. This guy's just flexing muscle here. She is the host of the story. I actually hang out with her every weekend now. Uh, Mar- <laughs> we do, actually. Mar- two in a few weekends. <laughs> Martha McCallum is in the house. Hey, girl, good to see you. Hey, Jimmy. As great I, to be here. As I said outside, it's good to be seeing one of you. Uh, we spent the weekend <laughs> at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Yes. We were actually fairly responsible, uh, but fairly. we had a good night. Good fashion. Everybody, everybody looked sharp in the fun. Fox team, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. I like going down on the road really quick. And being an ambassador to what we do, because I think when people get a chance to be up close with who we are, like we're a really fun side. And like the Fox Mix is really fun. And I think we actually probably uh, radiate more positive energy than anybody I ever run into in the media. Because I was at all these parties. Uh, and I felt like we did a good job of being a good parade float. Did you catch any of the lollipops? I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel the same way. I felt like it was – I hadn't been in a few years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't have it for a while. And then they had one last year. But mm-hmm. I, I really felt like it was a good time for yeah. all of us to um, sort of – show up in force yeah, yeah. and uh i think you're right it was a good class i think trip. that people um you know they i think they when they see all of us on mass mm-hmm. and they see that we're happy and we like each other yeah it's a truthful and really uh-huh. positive message yep it's great uh just one thing i want you to weigh in on i had four tv hits during the dinner where i was doing the red carpet for lawrence jones back here in new york um was that actually going on because they wanted to keep me away from the open bar <laughs> <laughs> you uncovered their strategy <laughs> Keep like, Jimmy out there. I, like, I got a lot of hits. This is really weird <laughs> that they won't just leave me in the room. That's so funny. But I was busy. It was funny. I, I, did, I avoided the red carpet, so that's why we didn't run into each other out yeah, there. But we saw each other at the mixture. It was great. Martha yeah, that McKe- was fun. I, you know, the, the Fox party pre-party is like my favorite part of the night, actually. Yes. that's how we, the, the whole night, that's the problem, though. The night peaks at like 7 p.m. Yes. But goes on till midnight. Here's the thing. <laughs> you know, just quickly, I said this to a couple people there. You know, in New York, mm-hmm. they know how to do these things. Yeah. And you are like in and out out by 9 30 right mm-hmm. they know how to make it all happen they yep. keep it all happening out like really quickly there was just like these long pauses so mm-hmm. by the time they got around to the comedian i was like ready for bed yeah it was a filibuster mm-hmm. there was like a three-hour filibuster yeah. then they brought on roy wood well i'll tell you two quick things i observed while i was down there that you'll get a kick out of one was i had a really funny interaction with biden's secret service mm-hmm. uh because when biden was giving his presentation at one point he erroneously identified a country as ironda Oh. And a member of the Biden Secret Service actually tur- turned to his buddy and goes, what the F is Ironda? <laughs> and I caught them in a genuine moment oh, of that's laughter. Great. <laughs> and he also laughed at me because he Biden re- referenced Fox. And he goes, you didn't like that one? I go, oh, I love that one. I, I go, because if I one. get the, I go, the further he goes, the further I go if I get to host this someday. Exactly. But it was very funny. So two things. They laughed at Biden. But another thing, Friday night, I didn't get into when I saw you, as I was making the rounds at all of these industry parties, 
Gavin Newsom was at every party, mm. which tells me he's still kind of jogging along in case he needs to get into the race. Oh, do you, for sure. Right? Do you, you know, isn't that your no, takeaway? I, th- I think he's trying to play this just right from uh-huh. his perspective that he keeps saying he has no interest in running. He told Joe Biden he's not interested in running, but he is clearly presenting himself as the viable alternative if something should happen. Listen, there's a, there's a great point. In the Tour de France, they have an alternate, and it's a guy who wears the uniform and the helmet and rides along. Exactly. Gavin Newsom, for whatever reason, is in spandex on a 10-speed. He's <laughs> riding, riding alongside just in case. <laughs> Martha McCallum's in studio. Who's that guy outside the beast pedaling a bicycle right now? Well, I talk about 2024 because the word on the street is Tim Scott has a major announcement, which we all know what that means. Sure. I love Tim Scott's story. I have him on the show a lot. He's going to be on again later this week. And I love his story because he really speaks to the truth about how much upward mobility there is in this country. Do you think on some level the Democrats feel a unique threat from him that they don't feel from any other nominee or any oh, potential? Yes. I mean, I, I'm always actually horrified by some of the things that are said on other networks about Tim Scott, yep. the names that they have called him um, because they don't consider him to be, um, you know, they're not just looking at him as a as a man who mm-hmm. is a politician who's running. They think that he's sort of you know just there to check a box. All mm-hmm. these things. I look at people based on meritocracy yeah. and how hard they've worked to get where they are. How effective are they at the job that they're doing? Tim Scott's a very effective senator. He worked very hard on these enterprise projects in inner cities with President Trump. Mm-hmm. He found ways to get things done for South Carolina when. President Trump was in office. And, you know, he's he's one of the few, I think, really sort of genuine Mm -hmm. politicians in Washington. And uh, I think that's why he's going to get a ton of attention when I assume he'll announce on May 22nd. Yep, it's coming. Uh, He had made a deal with me, by the way. That he would announce on this show. I really? feel like I, I, so he's already, Mike, he's technically broken a campaign promise because didn't he? I guess he was joking, but he's like, well, oh, we'll do it. Maybe he's, he's going to come here first on May 22nd. <laughs> no, what? If yeah, he, he didn't does, say let where. Us know. He just said he's just going to be doing a phoner, apparently. Uh, Tim Scott, who to this day flies home every Saturday to take his 96 year old mother to the movies, yeah. is sweet as pie. He but is. he got into some hot water on the show because he told us, and you might not be an aficionado of the Rocky series, but Tim Scott on our air declared that Rocky 3 is the best Rocky. And it really? Be- yes, it became a, a very contentious point. Well, I can debate. see why, because clearly Rocky 1 is the best but, Rocky movie. Write it down, Josh. Martha McCallum. I mean, Rocky 1 is almost a perfect film. Yeah. Really? Like such a great underdog. It has so much heart. I mean, it, it's almost a perfect film. Mm-hmm. And I love movies. And, you know, I've seen Rocky many, many times. And I just think that the fact that he wrote it and, you mm-hmm. know, performed in it and it's such a movie from his heart at yeah. that time in his life. The relationships, Burt Young, I mean, all of the actors mm. and characters in that movie are just so extraordinarily well done. So, well, no, I, I have a, I, I'm going to have to take that up with Tim next time I see him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Big talk. It's almost a perfect film. Martha McCallum's in studio. She just finished running up the steps of the Philadelphia Art Museum, apparently, <laughs> chased by a, a group. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great, it's great, it's great. Well, he has offered on this show to buy that tape off of me in the past because he considers that it's his 
his most damaging oppo research <laughs> is that he's on the air defending Rocky Three. Yeah, if we get to the debate environment, if I'm lucky enough to uh, ask him a question, that's going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse s- me, Senator. Can we please clarify this? Dude, if you want a viral Did you moment, not see Rocky One? <laughs> it would be, but it would be so good for politics if we went know, there. Right? It Just, would be. Well, this is where I, my, my hope is. You got okay. me thinking. Maybe that's a good sort of like come, last round question. Come on, come on, McCallum. I'll be on your research team, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I, it's my hope, okay, that in 2024 we have a, a debate of substance, you know, because the potential's there. The groundwork's already being laid for anything but that, sensationalism. There's high negatives between Trump and Biden. I very much got the feeling this weekend, being around the Biden camp, that they want Trump to be the nominee. Uh, but whoever the nominee is going to be, it doesn't matter, okay, they're going to get treated like they're Trump because they don't want to run on their own record. I, I mean, even did, when you watched the Biden video, did you walk away from that thinking he was selling you on Biden? I didn't. Did you feel like Joe Biden was making a case for himself or he was making a case against his Well, old... he's not in it very much. Yeah. That, that isn't that video. weird, by the way? So that's a little strange. Uh-huh. I think it's always interesting when an incumbent president has to sort of roll out a big announcement because it's a little bit anticlimactic. For instance, George uh, W. Bush didn't really even do an announcement. He okay. just said, I'm running. Um, So it's a little bit unique, but it it was a moment where he could have really showed some energy for what his vision is for his second term specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a missed opportunity. And it was it was sort of a dreary rollout. It wasn't a very positive, optimistic. So I think if you're going to do that, you should sort of address head on. Mm -hmm. Here's what's wrong right now. And here's how we're going to fix it. We're only halfway there, all that kind of stuff. Um, It was it was a little weak. But this is why I bring that up. Okay, good. So as we're sitting in that room on Saturday and even at some of the parties I was at on Friday, You know, we always talk to the danger of groupthink in that you kind of lose your self-awareness and you're out of touch with the rest of the country. There was a very self-congratulatory tone in that room on Saturday night amongst the Democratic Party. And I think they're of the mind that this is going a lot better than it is because they're not talking to anybody else but them. Because if you're in a place where you're launching a re-election campaign and 70 percent of the public doesn't want you to do it, I, I, you know, you, people say read the room. You might not even be in the same room. I mean, did you kind of get that feeling? Well, I think there's always sort of an, uh, you know, home team feeling at those dinners, depending uh-huh. on whether it's a Democrat or a Republican in office uh, over the course of the years that I've been attending them. Um, I think that they are sort of whistling past the graveyard a bit on these yeah. numbers and not really getting a good feel for what's going on. Seventy percent don't want him to run. But the the other question that is asked in that that doesn't get as much attention is, but if he's the nominee, would yeah. you vote for him? Now, that then you just get to a question of voter intensity and enthusiasm mm-hmm. and whether or not they have to worry about people just staying home yeah. because they wanted another choice. I do hear everywhere I go that people want other choices besides yeah. Trump and Biden this time around. They can't believe that there isn't, you know, sort of a viable alternative that they get at least an option on. Yeah. How about that? Uh, we're talking to the great Martha McCallum. She is in studio classing up the program. Uh, last thing I'll leave you with is just complete social gossip. Uh, Friday night, I got to hang out with Kamala's husband. He was very nice. Oh, Doug that's Imhoff. good. Him and Amy Klobuchar were at one of the parties I was at. Newsom was at a party. Pretty good. You really, uh, you got invited to Martha, all the big I parties, make, I make the scene. Do you understand? <laughs> This is my advantage, okay? I, from the way I dress, people assume I'm a waiter. 
So I can walk into just about anything. If you're not aware, if you wear a tuxedo jacket with a T-shirt, oh, they're like, this guy's staff. Oh, you must be. Yeah, exactly. Oh, do you know how much money I made in tips at the correspondence dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to deliver an entree. <laughs> I kid. Uh, Martha, you're the coolest. We'll oh, all be watching you It's great to be today. with you. Thanks, Jimmy. Three o'clock. Watch the story. We're back after this. It's the number one show with humans and animals. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Shout out to the great Martha McCallum. Watch her every day, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Story. She cracked me up. She was at my stand-up show last Friday night in New Jersey. And uh, she's a phenomenal audience member. It's really cool to have somebody as sharp as Martha in the crowd. And uh, we had a fabulous time in D.C. this weekend. It was kind of epic. Uh, but we're now back in New York, <laughs> risking life and limb to bring you this broadcast. I don't know if you've been in New York lately, but man, oh boy, oh man. As cities go, a lot of a lot of prominent cities, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, are going through the behind the music phase. Do you know what I mean by that? On the behind the music, you know, they're like, all right, this is a huge band. They've got all these hits. They're making all this money. They're stars. But then, you know. They quickly delve into that downhill spiral where the, you know, one guy's got a pill addiction. The other guy's fat, (laughs) hasn't taken care of his voice. Uh, Somebody wrestles an alligator. (laughs) It's weird stuff going on. The point is we're in that phase as a city here in New York. The society as a whole has kind of let itself go. The whole city is a joint. Like you cannot walk six inches in this city without smelling weed. Like a cop stopped me yesterday. He was like, are you smoking marijuana, sir? I was like, no. He's like, well, here you go. And he handed me a spliff. I'm being stupid. But the point is the city is gross. And a lot of these big democratic cities are gross. So the reason they don't want 2024 to be about ideas is because their ideas aren't working. I think he's got a point. Okay. Economy, bad. Border, bad. Inflation, bad. Crime, worse than all of them. So that's where we find ourselves in this moment. But here was Bernie Sanders. I just wanted to play this last clip. He says if Biden focuses on the working class, he can win in a landslide. Listen to this one, clip eight. I think the choice is pretty clear, and that choice is Biden. And second of all, what I do believe is the Democrats and the president have got to be stronger on working class issues. They've got to make it clear that we believe in a government that represents all, not just the few. Take on the greed of the insurance companies, the drug companies, Wall Street, all the big money interests, and start delivering for working class people. You do that, I think Biden is going to win in a landslide. Oh, Bernie. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Biden's going to win in a landslide? That is a fact check false. You see, the problem is Bernie Sanders is actually half correct. If he focused on the working class, that would be an asset to Biden's campaign. But Bernie's definition of helping the middle class is not the middle class's definition of helping the middle class. What I mean is Bernie wants him to just go. We'll go go after the big banks, the insurance companies, the drug companies, Wall Street, the big money interests. Americans don't want to demonize the wealthy. 
Okay, what they want to do is become the wealthy. Okay, if you want to help the middle class, he doesn't need a fight with big banks. He doesn't need a fight with Wall Street. He needs to lower inflation. He needs to get the streets under control so people feel safe going to the store. He needs to stop outsourcing jobs to China in the name of clean energy. If Biden wants to help the middle class, oh, I don't know. Maybe you don't cut domestic energy production, which is one of the biggest drivers of our economy. Maybe you don't kill the Keystone Energy Pipeline. You dig? That's the bigger problem, is focusing on the middle class to the middle class would be getting inflation under control, would be stabilizing the economy. Okay, we just had a bank failure today. First Republic Bank, it is the second biggest bank failure in the history of the United States of America. You know what the first biggest was? Silicon Valley Bank. You know what they both have in common? They happened under Biden. Okay, so you understand, Joe Biden has presided over the two largest bank failures in the history of the United States of America. Okay, they can tell you the economy is great and it's working and everything else out there that they like to say, but dude, I mean... Are you stupid or something? You'd have to be if you believe them. And when Joe Biden gets out there and tells you, oh, we're created jobs, look at all the jobs, they're creating jobs, they recovered jobs. Okay, this is very important. When COVID hit and we shut down entire sectors of our economy, the cruise industry, okay, airlines had to cut back because people weren't flying as much, the hospitality industry because people couldn't go out to eat for a time. Again, they were, as crazy as this sounds, there was a time in, the, in this country where you weren't, allowed your house to, you weren't allowed out of your house to go to church, but you were allowed out of your house to loot a Nike store. What the hell is the world coming to? But that's where we were in the summer of 2020. Everything on earth was shut down because of COVID, because of Fauci's directive that we had 15 days to slow the spread. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. Because in a lot of major municipalities, that 15 days went on for months and entire sectors of our economy were decimated in the process. And what ultimately happened is when the economy reopened, when we started getting back on planes, when we started getting back on cruise ships, we recovered the jobs we had lost. Is that actually creating new jobs? The answer would be no. No, not even a little. You got your old job back. Creating new jobs is you go out and there are entire new sectors of employment available to the American worker. Biden didn't do that. When he likes to tell you we created 12 million jobs is what we did. Don't be thick, all right? Because... You didn't create 12 million jobs. The Biden administration has created close to 2 million jobs if you look at the part-time work and the seasonal work. But as far as their claim to 12 million jobs, 10 million of those jobs were jobs that existed before the pandemic and simply came back. I've made this point before. I'll make it again. If Jenny Fela throws me out of my house tonight because I come home covered in glitter, smelling like stripper perfume, okay, when I eventually get to move back into the house a week from now, I didn't get a new house. I just got access to the old one. And that's the lie Biden's continuing to sell. So when Bernie says, eh, if he focuses on the working class, yeah, focus on the working class instead of focusing on all this BS you keep peddling. 
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is, and we are back in action. Got a big hour coming up on Fox Across America. Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson is in the house. We'll also get into your calls, text, tweets, carrier pigeons about all things United States of America. That's what we do. This show is like a family meeting for the country. I'm kind of the radio mess of a dad who just got off his shift and is on his second six-pack of Meisterbrow, and he wants to hear about your day. Uh, We take these issues very serious, but as you can tell, we do not take ourselves seriously at all. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of this thing. Uh, But essentially what I say, and I say this a lot today because we're making history, it is our first time broadcasting uh, on the legendary KXPO. 1340 AM Grafton, North Dakota. We shouted out my man Bob Simmons at the top of the show and thanked them for having us because it's a big deal. Every time we add an affiliate, this is a show that started on about 27 stations. We're all in, I think, above 150. We've done pretty well since launching. And I think one of the reasons we've done so is because I'm very much like one of you. Uh, My broadcast superpower being the fact that I don't have one. I'm just a regular guy. And on Fox Across America, I'm not the star. We are. Uh, just this group of people who kind of care about the country and want a rising tide that lifts all boats. Yes, we're conservative on this show, unapologetically so. But if the country is thriving, meaning it's a better, safer country for you and your family, it's a better, safer country for me and my family, we're not supposed to care which political party is in power. If we're all doing good and we're trending in a good direction, America, that's the whole point of this country is we all have American privilege. We live in the most prosperous and tolerant and inclusive society the world has ever known. But right now, in this moment, uh, we're not prospering. We're kind of going the wrong way. One of the big reasons why is there's been a dereliction of duty to protect us at our southern border. Okay, so much so that since Biden got into office, we've seen the number of illegal border crossings in this country surge past 5 million People. You have no idea how to defend a nation. Because with those five million people, the vast majority of whom are just looking for a better life for themselves and their family, has come a record level of poisonous fentanyl that has led to a record level of death in this country. Okay? We're reading statistics that, you know, when you talk about the women crossing this border illegally, 30% of them are getting sexually assaulted along the way. When you talk about the cartel violence and the bounties being paid, okay, our border right now is a disaster because when Biden got into office, they repealed Trump's border policies. I don't care if you like Trump. It's not my job. I'm not an activist. But understand, Trump had cut illegal border crossings by 80% with a Remain in Mexico policy. What the Remain in Mexico policy meant was if you got apprehended at our southern border, you weren't going to be allowed into the country automatically. You were going to remain in Mexico until your asylum case was heard in a few months. Okay, that, of course, discouraged a lot of people from coming here because they weren't sure they were going to get in. When Biden repealed remain in Mexico, the policy became, well, if you get caught at the border, we're going to let you in. Maybe throw you a little stimulus check, send you to another city. And then you'll have an asylum case down the road. And if, in fact, we don't grant your asylum case, you'll get sent back. Okay, 90% of the people in this country don't show up to their asylum cases. 
Do they get deported as a result? The answer would be no. No. Joe Biden has turned America into the college bar that doesn't check ID. Once the word gets out that people are going to get into the bar, whether they should or not, everyone shows up because they know they're going to get in. If you ever were a young person in this country trying to drink underage, if you found that one bar that was letting people in, the minute the word got around in your underage community that they were letting people in, it was... Everybody was going. It's a stampede. And that's what's happening at our border. Now, I don't begrudge the people coming here to make a better life for their country because they're fleeing food insecurity, corrupt governments, you know, cartel violence and things of the like. But political opposition comes with a basic responsibility. And what I mean by that, understand, is if there is a policy in place that's good for the country, opposing it just because okay, is a dereliction of duty by the political party doing so. Like when Trump ran on, we got to secure the border. We got to build a border wall. We got to, you know, deport violent criminals. We got to make them remain in Mexico. Okay, the Democrats who had voted for border wall funding twice, they voted for border wall funding under George W. Bush. And you know who else pushed a border fence? Barack Obama. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But think about it. They voted for it twice. And then when Trump came down the escalator and said, build a wall, they were like, walls are racist. We should be building bridges, not walls. No person is illegal. And the Democrats went from protecting our southern border, the front door of our house, to turning this country into a college bar where anyone can get in, whether they belong here or not. Part of that mindset also means violent criminals aren't being deported. We had this horrible situation down in Texas over the weekend where a violent criminal. And I mean, the backstory on this like shocks your conscience when you hear that this is actually a thing that goes on. We've got a manhunt going on for a Mexican national who shot and killed five of his neighbors, including a little kid over the weekend. Guy was in Cleveland, Texas, popping off with his gun on the front porch. The neighbors went over, asked him to stop shooting his gun because they had a child that they needed to get to sleep. He shot all of them. Heartbreaking. Shocks your conscience. You can't even fathom such a thing would be possible. But then what makes it even more more infuriating is you come to find out the guy had been deported five times between 2009 and 2016. But he's back in the country now. Why? Because anyone can get in. Biden sucks. That's the reality. So a guy who shouldn't even be in our our country, okay, a guy has multiple illegal reentries on his record, was last encountered by ICE in 2016, somehow made it back in here. Okay, and the media would have you believe this is another chance to push gun control, but gun control is not applicable in this instance if you actually have something called border control. When you're right, you're right, and you're right. We don't have border control. Here's Brandon Judd. He's the president of the National Border Patrol Council. You've heard him on this show before. And he's been the first guy to tell you that this administration has done everything they can to make life easier on the illegal migrant and harder on the people trying to protect us. It's clip 17. 
criminals are empowered right now. Law enforcement, we just can't do what's necessary to protect the American people. And any time that this administration sends out the clear message that just the act of being in the country illegally is not enough to be deported from the United States, that empowers them even more. It emboldens them. It allows them to think that they are above the law. And that's what we saw in this particular case. This is a case that never should have happened. We shouldn't have had this person in the United States in the first place. If we would have done our jobs, if we would have done a better job, this person would not be here and these these deaths would not have have occurred. I mean, he's listen, I mean, really think about it. He's telling the truth. Okay, this is a guy that shouldn't be able to get into our country. The border really quick, just so you understand, it's the front door of the house. You got to just look at it. It's oversimplify this. It's the front door of your house. You shut the front door at night because you want to know, you want to keep tabs on who could potentially come in. It's not because you're racist. Okay, it's not because you don't wish these people well. America, a country founded on immigration, is all for legal immigration. Legal. When it's legal, people are coming here properly through the system, assimilating to our culture, paying taxes, contributing to society. We want that. Nothing to do with their race. Okay, you know who else wants legal immigration? Latinos, people who migrated to this country legally that have now completely abandoned the Democratic Party because Biden is using this porous southern border to remind them very much of the type of countries they fled. And that's the big issue here. We've got a manhunt underway for a lunatic who just killed five members of a family, a lunatic who'd been deported five times previously but can still get into this country right now because nobody's protecting the border. What the hell is the world coming to? Secretary Mayorkas, who's supposed to be the guy securing the southern border, is doing what he always does in this instance. He was on with Chuck Todd over the weekend on Meet the Press. And he's shifting the blame for the problem. He's saying, well, you know, we were trying to reform immigration and the Republicans, they wouldn't sign the bill. And Shut up! Will you shut up? No, here he is. He wants you everyone. It's everyone's fault but the guy who's supposed to be securing the border. This is clip 20. This is a really tough challenge and has been, as we all recognize, for years and years. We are seeing a level of migration, not just at our southern border, but throughout the hemisphere that is unprecedented. It is, I think, the greatest migration in our hemisphere since World War II. The president on day one delivered a solution. He delivered immigration reform legislation that we had hoped Congress would act on swiftly. They haven't. Within the constraints of a broken immigration system, we are doing so much. I mean, come on, dude. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Okay, understand. Oh, we're trying to pass legislation. Republicans won't vote for it. This is the Democratic ethos. Okay, vote our way. Vote our way or people are going to die. That's what they do. Yeah, Republicans had cut illegal border crossings by 80% under Donald Trump. The Democrats got into office and they repealed those policies. So when Mayorkas says, oh, we're in a really tough position. Yeah, we're in a tough position because of what you did, Mayorkas. You are so full of shit. But here he is again trying to tell you the border's not open and it won't be open after May 11th when the COVID emergency ends. Congratulations, two years after it really ended. But they wanted to exploit it bureaucratically. But on May 11th, when the formal declaration of a COVID emergency ends, so goes Title 42. Right now, there are 35,000 migrants 
lined up at our southern border poised to come in. And again, I don't begrudge these people anything. But understand amongst those 35,000 people, okay, who genuinely want a better life for themselves, there are a handful of people like this lunatic who shouldn't be in our country. But because anyone can get in when it's as open as it is, the rest of us are subjected to greater peril because of the indifference by this administration. You see, the politics are more important than the people. They don't care if somebody comes in and kills a few people. They don't care if there's, a, you know, little kids are getting assaulted on the way over by the cartels and the human traffickers and people are muling drugs and women are getting sexually assaulted. What they want, okay, from this humanitarian crisis is a national appetite to pass the type of immigration reform that they prefer. So in this instance, oh, big deal, people are going to suffer. That's just the cost of doing business. Here is my orcas trying to tell you at a time when 5 million people have crossed this border illegally that it's not open, okay? It's closed. This is clip 21. Notwithstanding those preparations, we do expect that encounters at our southern border will increase as smugglers are seeking to take advantage of this change and already are hard at work spreading disinformation that the border will be open after that. High encounters will place a strain on our entire system, including our dedicated and heroic workforce and our communities. The smugglers' propaganda is false. Let me be clear. Our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Yo, if 5 million people can come through our border. Okay, the border's open. That's true. That is true. The border's open. I don't want to hear about semantics. Remember the movie Major League? I talk about this all the time. The guy hits a home run, and then there's this skit where they cut to the guys in the bleachers arguing over the ball being too high. Ah, oh, it was too high. He goes, what do you mean it was too high? Because, you know, the trajectory of the ball as it crossed the wall, it was too high, you know, the way it came off the bat. And finally somebody interrupts him and goes, hey, who gives a It's gone. It's a home run. This is Mayorkas. Well, the border's not open. No, it's, uh, you know, Title 42 going away won't keep it open. It's a false. We don't have to worry about smugglers. Yo, if 5 million people got in, it's open. Bingo. <laughs> And you can sit here and you can debate about whether or not it's open, okay? Mayorkas, who gives a, you know, five million people have gotten in. So when you're having this semantic debate, you're prioritizing everything but what we need in this moment, which is a secure border. So Biden tried throwing a, you know, sending Mayorkas out there this weekend to push back against this guy who should have been deported Again, or not even let into the country, heaven forbid, a sixth time. Now he's killed five Texans. And Mayorkas wants you to believe his first pitch is that, you know, it's not open at the border. We got to focus on other things. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. The show that solves problems the old-fashioned way. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon trying to hold this country together. Warren Davidson's coming by to give me some backup. 
from the great state of Ohio, where my wife is from originally, Jenny Fala. Shout out to Jenny. Got the band back together yesterday after a wild weekend at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. It was a mess out there. Uh, got to mingle down in the swamp, and yes, we did not drain the swamp, but we absolutely drained every bar we came into contact with. The Fox team rolls pretty hard, man. Uh, we travel well. Good vibe. Good peeps. Everybody looked sharp, except there was one guy in a pink tuxedo jacket. I don't know what the hell that guy's problem was. I mean, man, oh boy. That boy is a P-I-G pig. Whatever. Uh, right now, we're not talking about that boy. Uh, we were talking about Mayorkas, who's a dirtbag. We're talking about the Biden administration not wanting to acknowledge that this guy who just killed five people in Cleveland, Texas, should have been in the country to begin with. Nobody wants to own their record. You know the old adage in sports, like you are what your record says you are. You know, if your record is one win and five losses, we don't want to hear that you looked good in practice and you've gotten a couple of bad bounces of the ball. The point is you're one and five. Just the same as if you've got five wins and one loss, you don't need to beat yourself up about anything that went wrong. You're a good team with a good record. Just keep playing good ball. But when it comes to our politics, nobody wants to talk about their record, but specifically when their record is as destructive as what we have going on in this administration right now. I admire your honesty. And I don't say that as a Republican or some Fox News radio host. I just say that as an American that wants to see the country doing well. Okay, sadly, in this moment, we're not really doing well. We're prioritizing everything but what matters. That's the frustration as we've gotten back to this place where this perpetual fight for power has reduced our politics to a team sport. I mean, it's the biggest issue right now facing all of us is for many Americans, it's more important for your party to win than it is for your country to win. It's more important for your party to win than it is for your state to win. Think of Gavin Newsom. I saw him at all the parties in D.C. this weekend. Gavin Newsom was recalled in a state that's like 90% liberal. But even they, to a point, were like, all right, this is insane. Enough is enough. I mean, the whole, the whole you know, state is a dump. Crime is through the roof. Taxes are through the roof. You can't even get a U-Haul to leave California because there's that many fleeing all at once. But Newsom was recalled, but they still decided to vote for him because in the end, it was more important to have Democrats in power than it was to actually turn their state around. And that does not work. It's stupid. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to get the band back together with this next guest. He is, of course, a superstar representative from the 8th Congressional District in Ohio. He's a House Financial Services Committee member, a former military officer, and my man Warren Davidson is here. Hey, hey, hey. Jimmy, it's always an honor to talk to you. Great to great to join you today. Well, you dodged a bullet. I was down in D.C. I did my show there Friday, and then I had to go to that silly dinner Saturday. And uh, we we put up some big numbers. I mean, the dinner's kind of a mess, but in terms of food and drink, uh, if you had us on your fantasy team, you made money. <laughs> well, I, I have never been tempted to go to the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner, but that's good because I've never been invited. But, uh, <laughs> I hope you had a great time. Yeah, we did. We did. I, I, I drank and ate your share, so there's that. But what's funny about it is it's a lot of what you might expect it to be, which is it's very self-congratulatory. It's overwhelmingly liberal, 
And, you know, I don't begrudge anybody a night of revelry, but there, there really is a vibe in that room amongst, you know, the members of the Democratic Party that things are going a lot better than they are. Now, I don't know if that's just like performance art and they're trying to, you know, propagandize the viewer or they genuinely believe it. Like when you're walking around D.C. right now and you see members of the House uh, from the opposing party, do they actually think with a straight face this is going well? Yeah, you know, there are some. I, I've got like three categories of people. There are three. The main there's a certain group that that, you know, does not get the implications of all these policies. And they're the ones that think things are going well because yeah. they saw it on the news going well i think the biggest group is people that are uh that are they get the implications but they'll go along with it because the trade-offs are there you know like Mm -hmm. well you know they were always good for the teachers so you know we're going to be for them even though yeah those policies are really crazy and that's the biggest group i think of democrats and then the really scary people are the ones that they're for the policies because of the implications you know like joe biden gets the implications of the green new deal it's a feature it, it creates more demand for electricity than you can create supply. It drives American energy investment down, so it drives up prices, and that means people use less. They like that idea. They won't take credit for liking the idea, but they're for the policy for that. It's the same like people say, oh, well, if Joe Biden would just go to the border and see the problem. No, he knows the problem. That's He's actively working to create the problem. Uh, so he's for the policy because of these bad implications. And then you go, well, what are the motives behind that? That's harder to figure out. But, you know, that's my three buckets for people. No, it, it makes sense. We're talking to Warren Davidson, the 8th Congressional District of Ohio. Uh, this it seems to be a failure by design because I watched my over the weekend and he says, well, you know, we're doing everything right over here. We're just trying to pass an immigration reform that the Republicans won't sign off on. So it's almost like in this instance, the politics are more important than the people, but they reversed border policies that were working. You know, whether we're talking about Title 42, whether we're talking about remain in Mexico, this immediate stampede is not because the Republicans won't pass legislation. It's because the things keeping people out of our country have been repealed, is it not? Yeah, they're not even doing them. And when I talk to like the the union for the Customs and Border Patrol, they're like, we're not even we're we're not on the sidelines. We're not even in the stadium. We're not we're not doing our jobs. It's making it almost impossible for retention and recruiting there, because they're like, yeah, we do catch people at the border, but instead of sending them away, we basically just transport them wherever they want to go inside America. So it just sends more people in, and these folks are being exploited. I mean, the cartels are charging them. Uh, you know, thousands of dollars, uh, and they don't have the money, so they become indentured servants, uh, slaves, basically. And they've got 85,000 kids that they can't account for. Uh, And this goes back to this stupid decision that says that you can't hold families together. You have to uh, let them go uh, or, you know, send the kid on to some family member. And they don't really do thorough due diligence on that. They say, oh, you know, send them to Chicago at this address. And they do. Now they can't find these kids. Uh, so that that should be very troubling. And this is what the Biden administration is doing uh, on purpose. That that part is so crazy to me because there was such a big deal made at the southern border under Trump about family separation. Uh, when in truth, a lot of times they're separating minors because they need to ascertain that they're with someone they're supposed to be with. 
you know, because the cartels know they have a higher chance of getting an asylum case granted if they have a minor with them. So what's crazy is there's no follow-up on the well-being of those kids. Nobody talks about that, what you just brought up, uh, which is, you know, a fancy way of saying these kids don't matter to them. But that, I think, is a lot of people's biggest frustration. There's a lot of hypocrisy here. But there's another thing I wanted to ask you about really quick while I got you on the line. There seems to be a war on merit going on in this country. Did you follow the story where if you have good credit, your mortgage is going to cost you more money? Jimmy, I am the chairman of the Housing and Insurance Subcommittee in the House Financial yes. Services Committee. Mm-hmm. This is a fastball down the middle for us, and you're like, <laughs> what in the world are you doing? You're like, it, It's not just like if you have good credit. you can. The average credit score in America is 710. If you have a 680 credit score or higher, you're essentially going to pay a tax so that you can subsidize people with bad credit. So you don't even have to have average credit. You can have below average credit, and you're going to pay a higher fee than you otherwise would so that you can subsidize people with bad credit. This is the dumbest socialist redistribution scheme I've heard of since they came up with defunding the police. Uh, but, but you know, they keep coming up with these things. And again, they didn't accidentally do it. They're for this because of the implications of it. That, it, it, that one drives me insane uh, because, again, we're encouraging the worst habits. It's like back to student debt forgiveness. You know, the people who didn't take out the loan are now paying for the people who did. In no world can you tell me there's actual equity in that or fairness in that. But does it to you just strike you as like kind of a fancy vote buying scheme? Like what is the motive there? Yeah, I mean, part of it is these are the people that I think are in the biggest block that it's like, well, you know, the implications are bad. But it does does give us a majority, and that way we can do other good things. And the reality is there are a lot of people that fall for it. You know, more free stuff for more people uh, is essentially the the, uh, the campaign slogan for all this stuff. You know, you think like, oh, Crazy Bernie. Everyone thought of him as Crazy Bernie for the longest time. And now that's essentially, you know, everybody's campaign platform. And heck, it's even creeping into the Republican Party. It's like, oh, when we get there, we can give you this free stuff. No, no, we get better free stuff. It's, and it's like at some point, don't we have to run the country? Uh, and that's that's really why it was so important for Republicans to stick together and tell Joe Biden, we're not going to do a clean debt ceiling. We're going to have to reform. We're not going to default on our debt now or in the future, and that means we're going to have to change course. So it was really a big deal last week for us to get that across the finish line. No, I, I agree, but it's fascinating because – they never they, they're always mischaracterizing the argument like they say you want a clean debt ceiling. They characterize that as uh, they're declaring war on the middle class, which is not really reasonable debate, you know, and it's so hard to cut through in this day and age because in every one of these issues, you know, you can espouse a conservative principle and then it's repackaged as we hate somebody. We bigoted against somebody. But I think the reality is we are bigoted against bankruptcy as a nation, as I think where our true bias lies. Do the Democrats get the seriousness of the debt we're accruing right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it gets back to the same three. Some people are clueless about it. Some people are like, well, yeah, but you know we can we can pull it off a little longer, and then our party's in power, and then we can tax the rich or whatever. They don't really get it all. And then the people that are scary are the ones that you know they 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 re- even relabeled this uh, debasing the currency. They called it modern monetary theory, yeah. which is you can just keep printing money. Which yeah, you can keep printing money, but you can't guarantee that that money buys the same amount of stuff. That's inflation. That's what's happened. You know the Federal Reserve. Balance sheet grew from five, uh, four trillion dollars to uh, nine trillion dollars. You know, five trillion dollars just poof out of thin air, 
And what do you know? Uh, it causes inflation. Just like everybody studied through all of time, it causes inflation. I mean, we created the Sound Money Caucus in July of 2020. Uh, and, and, you know, that's all wonky stuff, but it's because, look, man, we know what's going to happen. It's going to cause inflation. They said, oh, no, it won't. And then they said, okay, well, well, it's not going to hit consumers. It's going to hit consumers. Like, well, okay, but it's going to be transitory. And now that they know it's not going to be transitory, now it's like, oh, well, the banks won't actually collapse all the way. And we keep seeing banks collapse. I mean, this is all bad policy choices. And again, some of them, they know that they're going to be bad consequences like this, and they're for it anyway. And then you're like, well, why would you do that? And that's always the harder thing. And I think at the end of the day, when they say they want to fundamentally remake America, that's what they mean. They mean they want to collapse the current system so they can build a different one. That's so crazy to me. But I, I don't know how else you could characterize this because it's such a mess. And, you know, it's one thing to hear me say it, but hearing it come from you, because like I've never been good with money. Like when my the, my identity got stolen when I was 29 and my credit score actually went up 20 points. So, <laughs> I feel like this is working out. Yeah, no. Whoever these Ukrainian <laughs> hackers were, wherever the heck they were from, I have no idea. Uzbekistan or something. I was like, thanks, guys. You helped the brother out. But hearing it come from you, it really does carry weight. So. I don't know, man. We got to straighten these guys out. I just hope everybody else in D.C. is starting to wake up to the reality of what this is because it's bad. We're going to have like rent-a-center furniture in the Oval Office soon, man. It's not good. No, look, bankrupt countries are hard to defend, and, you know, we do have to change course. And, you know, I think that's why, like, the the debt ceiling thing is a big deal. Again, it gets kind of wonky. People don't – they want other people to solve all this stuff. But everybody does see through, like Joe Biden saying, oh – we can't cut anything. Like everyone knows you can cut something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it might not go for everything that Republicans just passed, but there's going to be a deal. And I think that's the thing that, that people should take away. We have to find a way to get Republicans to stay on board to get something substantial out of this. It is a divided government. They're not going to sign everything we want, mm-hmm. uh, but we have to make sure they don't get everything they want either because we promised our voters we were going to fight for this stuff. And I think we've clearly shown there's a better way to govern. And uh, we just need to keep doing the work so that we earn the earn the slots back. For sure. I, I think of the movie Slapshot where the Hanson brothers were packing the foil and playing <laughs> old-style hockey. You guys got to get yeah. out there and play some old-style hockey, okay? Yeah, I was thinking of that when they when they were kneeling for the anthem. I was uh, thinking about that, that movie all the time. It's like, listen to the song, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Slapshot where the guy's got a broken face and he's missing a tooth because yeah. they got in the brawl during the skate around. I'm listening yeah. to the song. <laughs> good job. Good callback. Listen, man, it's great to get the band back together. Keep playing good ball, okay? You too, Jimmy. Thanks. See you, brother. The great Warren Davidson from the 8th Congressional District of Ohio. Well, the great slap shot callback. Listen, man, what's going on in D.C. right now, it is bananas. Okay, we're $31 trillion in debt. And the Democrats are like, I got it. We'll spend more money. That is financial lunacy. I mean, think of what the Inflation Reduction Act was. First of all, they called it inflation reduction, but all of the money in the bill goes to climate change. What a fraud! But you understand, their their claim, which according to the Congressional Budget Office was a scam, their claim was, well, if we go spend all this money on climate change, it'll actually lower inflation in the long run. You're not telling me the truth! According to the correct Congressional Budget Office, the Inflation Reduction Act will increase our deficit. 
deficit goes up, interest payments go up, okay, inflation continues to rise, and here's a news flash: Nobody's controlling the weather. Okay, they call it green energy because, A, you're either smoking something green to believe it's going to work, or, B, you are getting paid by pushing climate change hand over fist. Money, 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 money. Call in now. We're excited to hear from you. Who the is this? This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Across America with Jimmy Fallon, one of the fabulous people I had a chance to hang out with at the White House Correspondents' Dinner this week was Riley Gaines, who, of course, swam uh, along with Will Thomas, who ultimately became Leah Thomas and went from the 432nd ranked male swimmer in the country to the number one ranked women swimmer overnight. That's not right. Now, how is it possible that a guy could go from 432nd as a man, to number one as a woman pretty much instantaneously, it's because the men have a massive biological advantage. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. One of the people who got two standing ovations at the White House Correspondents' Dinner was Brittany Griner, who was, of course, held hostage by the Russians overseas after she brought marijuana into a country that bans marijuana. That's stupid! Use your common sense! We ultimately wound up trading Brittany Griner for a gentleman who goes by the nickname The Merchant of Death, who I'm going to go out on a limb and say is a much better shooter than anybody in the WNBA, but Brittany Griner specifically. But stick with me for a second. Brittany Griner said over the weekend that it's a crime to ban trans people from competing with biological women in sports. It is a crime to ban, you know, transgender men, biological men from competing against women. You suck, you jackass. Okay, and Riley Gaines said as much. She said, hey, this is her tweet. Which NBA team would have Brittany Griner on the roster? Since apparently the overwhelming obvious differences between men and women should simply be overlooked. Heartbreaking to see athletically successful women take this demeaning stance. But let's talk about that. And she tagged it with, and if we're going to talk about crimes, Brittany, 
meaning Britney getting busted for weed. But the point here is women are abandoning women in the name of political ideology. You know, I said people are voting party over country. Well, as long as the Democrats win, who cares if it goes to hell? At least we could say we beat the other side. That's the danger of politics becoming a team sport. As you start to prioritize getting the win, which ultimately makes all of us losers. Okay, when women are now erasing women, Brittany Griner in the WNBA now saying biological men. So put LeBron James in the WNBA. Are you going to tell me with a straight face that he's not going to score 150 points a game because of the huge advantage he would have over these women? I mean, again, I always bring it back to Rocky. Imagine a world in Rocky Three where Mr. T now goes by Mrs. T. And instead of Rocky, he's going to fight Adrian. This could be a problem. Now, think about that. It's now Mr. T, Clubber Lang is now Mrs. T. And he's getting in the ring with the wife instead of the husband. Shut up, fool! Okay, she's got a big problem. And we all know that to be the case. So when they're out there selling this ridiculousness, and some women are supporting it, Okay, that's a loss for everyone in the long run because now they're putting party over their own gender. Okay, it was called Title Nine, not Title Nine Inches. This is ridiculous, but the show's over. I'll be on with Sean Hannity tonight. Until then, be a Republican, be a Democrat, just don't be a... Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.